the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 1 Thessalonians. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who was on the roof of his house with his goods inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back to get anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. Jesus is coming back, that's for sure. You can read about it in the Bible. Today, Pastor Gary will be telling you what it will be like when that moment comes, when those who believe will be taken to be with Jesus. It will happen in a moment. No warning, it just will be. And if you're not ready, if you haven't given your life to Christ, you'll be left out. Today, make a decision to know Jesus as your Savior. He will change your life forgive your sins, and give you a guarantee of a home with Him forever. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. So he speaks first about those who have died. Now, he's speaking about those who have died in Christ, those who have fallen asleep. That's why he uses that euphemism, because it's just passing from here to the presence of the Lord. Our body is left behind. Our body returns to dust from which it was made, but our spirit goes immediately to be with the Lord. He says, I want you to be ignorant about what happens after death. If you know Christ as your Savior, your spirit goes to be with the Lord in heaven. Your body stays behind, and it's going to decompose. And it doesn't matter if you want to be buried or cremated. It's 37 years or 37 minutes that your body will return to dust. It's no big deal. Your body's going back to dust. The same 17 chemical elements as dirt from which you were made, are, you know, we, it's passed down to us. The, the body's composed of 17 chemical elements, mostly hydrogen and oxygen, but, and then 15 other trace elements. You're going to return to dust, whether you decompose in a casket or whether you're cremated. It doesn't matter. And he speaks here about those who die and then those who remain, those who are still here on earth. And those of you who have lost loved ones know that without Christ, I mean, death is hard enough, right? When you lose a loved one, it's hard enough. But what makes it manageable is when you know Christ and when they know Christ, because you know you're going to see him again. And that's why he says there in verse 12, we grieve, we grieve. Death is a grievous thing to go through when you lose a loved one, but not like the rest of men who have no hope. 
He says, because I want to tell you about the hope of heaven and, and how we all get there one way or another as, as a believer. All believers should go to heaven. I don't mean that as a universal statement, okay? But as a believer, anybody can come to faith in Christ. The way to heaven is open to all. The gate is narrow because there's only one way to be saved. That's through Jesus. But the invitation is to all, okay? And, and so he wants us to know. If you lost a loved one, a friend, a family member who, who has already died, they knew Christ, we grieve, but not like the rest of people who don't know the Lord and don't have the hope of heaven, because we don't grieve like those who have no hope. We have the hope of heaven. We have the hope of the Lord. We know that we're going to have a glorious reunion. And, and he talks in verse 14 about how we believe that Jesus died, okay? He died, crucified, buried, rose again three days later. And so, in the same manner, we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Wait a minute. This is also the reminder to us that there will come a day when the Lord will return to the earth with all the saints that are presently in heaven. They're going to come again. Now, there's this event, though, that happens that he wants us to be aware of. He says in verse 15, according to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Okay, there's an event now. He speaks now of the second coming of Christ. But what some Christians don't understand is that there's really two aspects to the second coming of Christ. The one aspect of the second coming of Christ is when he comes only in the air, only in the sky, to receive the church. And then there's another aspect to a second coming, Sometime after that, when he actually comes all the way to the earth and brings with him all the saints that were in heaven. Now, what he's talking about here, what Paul's talking about here, is this event when Christ comes just in the clouds, just in the sky, to receive his bride, the church, to receive Christians, to take them up to heaven. And he speaks there about how we who are alive will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Now, everybody that has already died in Christ, as I mentioned, bodies return to dust. Their spirit went immediately to be with the Lord in heaven. But they've not gotten a glorified body. Just their spirit is in heaven. Your loved ones who knew Christ and have already died and their spirit is in heaven, their, their body is still in the grave. But what he speaks of here is there's going to be a moment when the Lord returns in the cloud to receive the church, and first thing that happens is all the saints in heaven are going to get their glorified body, and all of the tombs will be opened, and the process, the miraculous process of the glorification of a human body will rise from the grave to be reunited with that spirit in heaven. So that everybody then in heaven who presently is just there in in their spirit form will receive a glorified body just like the glorified body that Jesus received. It is their own body, but it has been made imperishable and it now will reunite with their spirit so that they can have a glorified body and, and be just as Jesus is. Okay, now, this is where I get into these wild questions like, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. So, so our body rises, but what happens? We cremated Uncle Charlie. We scattered him at sea. We scattered him at sea. How's that going to work now? He's been eaten by sharks, and the shark's been eaten by somebody else. Listen, listen to me on this. Listen to me on this. It's going to be liberating. You ready? 
the same God who created the universe can bring Uncle Charlie back together. All right? That's the way it's going to happen. So don't, don't worry about that. God can bring all the molecular aspects of Uncle Charlie back together so that he gets his glorified body in Christ, okay? But what Paul is describing here is this beautiful thing that we call the rapture. Now, where do you see the word rapture in the Bible, Pastor G? It's not in the Bible. That word rapture is nowhere in the Bible. But the message of the rapture is right here. Just like, for example, the word trinity is nowhere in the Bible, But the message of the Trinity, that God is one God who reveals himself in three persons, is throughout the Bible. So here's a basic definition for the rapture. When we say the rapture, here's what we're talking about. An event related to the end times, when Christians will be caught up, that's a word that is used here, caught up to heaven, when we will be suddenly, physically snatched from the earth, bypassing death to be with the Lord forever. In other words, listen to me on this, Paul talks about the hope of, of the church, that there is a generation, Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, lo, I tell you a mystery, we will not all sleep, we won't all die. There's going to be a generation that does not experience death, he says, but we will all be changed, this is 1 Corinthians 15, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, same kind of terminology that Paul uses here about trumpet, we will all be changed, the last trumpet, in the twinkling of an eye, so there's a generation of us, and when it be wonderful if we're that generation that doesn't have to go through the dying process in order to get to be with the Lord, that he's actually going to come in the air, in the clouds at some point, at some moment. The voice of the archangel, the trumpet call of God, Revelation chapter 4 describes the voice of the Lord like a trumpet. So is this a literal trumpet or is this just the voice of God that sounds like a trumpet? Makes no difference, right? Because when it, when it sounded, we're going home, okay? But he's going to sound this trumpet, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive and remain. That's what Paul's talking about. The generation that is alive at the time that Christ comes in the air will be raptured, will be caught up together with those other saints that are already in heaven who get their glorified bodies. It's just going to be this glorious reunion in the sky with the Lord and all those who have gone before us. And so that the generation that is taken up, snatched from the earth, you talk about body snatchers, friends. I mean, this is really what it's, that, that generation that is snatched from the earth gets, we get our glorified body on the way up in the twinkling of an eye. So it's this wonderful thing. Now, let, let me share a couple of other uh, uh, cross-references with you for you note-takers so you can see how this concept, and then I'll tell you actually why we call it the rapture moment. But, but again, let me quote out of 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 55, So for you note-takers, just jot that passage down. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 55. Paul says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. We're not all going to die. But we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable. Okay, our frail, perishable bodies have to be made imperishable, which God will do miraculously, and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Keep a a pen or something handy in 1 Thessalonians 4 and go back to the Gospel of Luke. I want to show you something that Jesus says relative to, to all of this as well in Luke chapter 17, because it's easy to miss something Jesus says, um, which really is a reference to the rapture, unless you understand the context, which now that we have the perspective of First Thessalonians 4, it'll make sense in Luke chapter 17. 
Jesus speaking here, verse 26. Jesus says, just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who was on the roof of his house with his goods inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back to get anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. Notice verse 34. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed, one will be taken, and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together, one will be taken, and the other left. You see what Jesus says here. Now, also in Matthew 24, Jesus, in the same context, talks about two men in a field. One will be taken, one will be left. But what's he talking about there? Those are references to now what we're reading here in 1 Thessalonians 4. You can go back to 1 Thessalonians 4, because he's speaking here of the fact that there's going to come a day when the voice of the archangel, trumpet call of God, and Christians will be taken. Well, obviously not everybody's a Christian on the planet at that time, so... There could be two women working together, and one is taken because she's a believer, and one is left. Two men working in a field. One is a Christian. He's taken. The other one's just left behind. Two people in bed at night, and, and one is taken, and the other one's just left there. And so he's speaking there of the same kind of thing that Paul's talking about here. Now, where do we get this idea of, and by the way, in Luke 17, when Jesus makes the comparison, days of Noah, days of Lot, what was the common thing there? There were a couple of common things. First, he talks about how life was just going on as usual. People were eating, drinking, buying and selling, just everything was happening like, like normal. When the rapture happens, it's gonna happen on a day that's just very ordinary, just very normal. It's gonna happen suddenly. Everybody's just gonna do what everybody normally does that day, and all of a sudden, voice of the archangel, trumpet call of God. The other interesting thing about the comparison with Noah and Lot, think about what is, what is the similarity with Noah and Lot as it relates to the end times. We'll have more to say about this And when we get to chapter 5, because he deals more extensively with it there. But the idea is this, that God rescued the righteous before he brought judgment on the wicked. So some people believe we go through the tribulation period, we suffer. I I just, I I don't see that in scripture. I see more evidence for God rescuing the righteous. God took Noah and his family. God took, took Lot and his family to rescue them before judgment came. We'll talk more about that because Paul says more in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. But now I just want to simply show you for a moment, if I could, where do, we, where do we get the whole term rapture? And then, you know, on the timeline of events, where does all this happen? So this is uh, chapter 4, verse 17, if you'll notice with me, where, it, again, it says, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them, with with those who get their glorified body and, and they're already in the air with Jesus coming back from heaven will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so we will be with the Lord forever. So I want you to highlight in your Bibles or circle the words caught up. Now in the New Testament it's originally written in Greek and the Greek word that Paul uses in the original language is harpazo, harpazo in the Greek. It means to be seized, snatched or caught, caught up. But in the late 4th century AD, Jerome was commissioned by the Catholic Church to translate the Greek New Testament into Latin. And in Latin, the word rapturo is used, or the noun form is raptus, for 
the, the words caught up, seized, or snatched. So in English, we get our word rapture derived from this Latin term raptus. So even though the word rapture is not in the Bible, it is derived from the Latin word of this verse, which means to be caught up, to, to be seized, or to be snatched. This is just an incredible, amazing thing to, to even contemplate, that there's going to be this moment in time when the Lord gives the call and every single Christian on the planet is just going to be, you talk about beam me up Scotty. I mean, it's just going to be beam me up Jesus. It's going to be just, we're gone. We're out of here. Now, movies have been made on this and, you know, bestseller books and all this. And, you know, what will that look like? You know, if, if like there's, you know, a 747 with 250 passengers and the pilot is a, is a Christian and, and, you know, and they're in midair at 30,000 feet and he gets taken, uh, you know, what happened? I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I mean, obviously there's going to be a lot of chaotic things that happen, but, but all of that is somewhat speculative. Here's what we do know according to Scripture. I want to share with you the timeline here so that everybody understands a little bit about when these events will unfold, okay? Jesus dies. His crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. He's crucified on a cross. He's buried. Three days later, he rises from the dead. That's his resurrection. Forty days after that, he ascends back into heaven, where the Bible says that he is presently seated at the right hand of the Father. Okay, so Jesus is alive and well. We serve a living Lord. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. No man knows the day nor the hour, not even the Son, relative to his second coming. This is God's prerogative. This is in the plan and timeline of God's perfect timing. When Christ ascended into heaven... It ushered in what we refer to in church history now, in church modern history, as the church age. We're presently living in the church age. Right now, this is the church age. But there will come a time, unknown, when there will be seven years of tribulation that will come upon the earth. This is primarily your Bible studies of Revelation 6 to 18. And it speaks about cataclysmic events that will come upon the earth. Natural disasters and just horrific things that will happen uh, because it is God ringing the final calling call for all to come to repentance and to receive him as Lord and Savior. This, you know, people will ask, you know, why will it be that horrible, you know, the, the oceans turn to blood and vegetation dies and there, there will be pestilence, there will be disease, there will be 100-pound hailstones, there will be people wishing to die and they can't. There, there will be uh, just the unleashing of all kinds of uh, meteor showers and, and it will be just scorched earth. It just all of this kind of stuff you can read about in, in Revelation 6 to 18. And, and people say, you know, why would God do all those drastic things? Because sometimes God has to do the drastic to get our attention. And there are going to be so many stubborn people who continue to refuse God that this is, this is the final wake-up call, final boarding call for all to come to repentance. And so there will be the seven years when this will be poured out upon the earth. And at the end of the seven years, Jesus will then come again to the earth. Now, I'm bypassing the rapture for just a moment. I'm going to come back to it. But Jesus will come to the earth. Zechariah talks about it, chapter 12 and 13 and 14. About, and even the angels, when the disciples stood watching Jesus as he ascended uh, in the book of Acts, speaks about how this same Jesus will return again to the same place. Jesus will come to the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem. When he touches the earth, there will be a great earthquake. Half of the mountain range will go to the north, half to the south. A great river that will make the Dead Sea fresh again. So all of this is in your Bibles as well. Second coming of Christ to the earth is because the seven years of tribulation culminate in the battle of Armageddon 
And then Jesus comes, defeats the enemies that are opposed to Israel and to God, and then he comes to the earth with the saints with him, followed by the millennial reign, a thousand years on earth, and then the great white throne judgment, new heaven and new earth. That's for a whole other Bible study. That's also in the book of Revelation. But I want to draw your attention here to the rapture of the church. Now, this is, again, great theologians debate on the timing of the rapture. Some, I've drawn it here the way that I believe the best evidence of Scripture teaches, which is the rapture happens before the seven-year tribulation period, okay? I don't believe that just because I don't want to go through the tribulation. I believe it because I really believe the Bible presents it that way, okay? But I really don't want to go through the tribulation either. Some theologians put the rapture of the church in the middle. They're called mid-trib. Some put it at the end. Those are really sad people. Those are post-trib people, okay? So we're pre-trib. We believe that the church is taken prior to the tribulation, pre-trib. And I'd say this every time, and I'm going to say it again. If you want to be mid-trib and post-trib, you can have my car in my house. I won't be here, okay? Because we'll be going up. We'll leave it for you if you really believe in that. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, listen, is God pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib? Listen, when he calls, we're going home. So just deal with it. It, It's pan-trib. It'll all pan out, all right? Many Bible scholars believe the great preponderance of Scripture teaches that that the church is taken from the earth prior to the tribulation period. Here's the deal, though, gang. There's nothing in the Bible that says it has to happen the hour before the tribulation is unleashed upon the earth. It just says, when you take the full counsel of Scripture, that it'll happen before the tribulation. In other words, it could happen 20 years before the tribulation starts, 30 years before, 50 years before. In other words, don't, don't think, well, when I start to see you know, things start to really unravel. Things are already unraveling, okay? Then I'll get my life right with the Lord because he could rapture us and take us out of here. There's nothing left in scripture in terms of prophetic events that have to happen before the rapture of the church occurs. There's more prophetic stuff still in the Bible to occur, all of this other part here on on the chart. But as far as taking the church, snatching us from the earth, there's no other Bible prophecy that has to happen. It could happen at any time. But It's the taking of the church. It's snatching us up because at some point after that, the tribulation is coming. And so God is going to rescue us and take us to heaven and spare us the wrath. Now, Paul talks more about this in chapter 5, which we'll get to when we get to chapter 5. But this is our hope, friends. Uh, You know, I I hear the silly questions too, and they're, they're fun questions, but it's like, okay, so when the trumpet call of God is sounded, will everybody in the world hear it, or is it kind of like like a dog whistle, you know, like only Christians can hear the trumpet call of God, you know? Again, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, because when, when the trumpet is sounded, we're going to go. But the beauty of the rapture, and the beauty of this whole wonderful hope of the church that Jesus is coming again. The first part of his second coming is only in the clouds to receive the church. The second part of his second coming is to the earth with all of us who have been kept in heaven to come back to earth, to, to be with the Lord, to rule and reign for that thousand years in the new heaven and new earth. This is, this is the hope for the church. And John will write in 1 John chapter 3, 2 and 3, John says, when he appears, we shall see him as he is, and we shall be like him. And then he adds, everyone who has this hope purifies himself just as he is pure. So the challenge for us is that the imminent return of Christ, and it literally could happen at any time, the imminent return of Christ should motivate us to holy living 
because that trumpet could sound at any moment. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of Cornerstone Connection as Pastor Gary Hamrick teaches through the book of 1 Thessalonians. If you're interested in hearing this message again or others like it, feel free to visit our website at cornerstoneconnection.cc. You can also download our mobile app so you can have these teachings with you on the go. This is a great way to keep up with Pastor Gary's studies and to have encouragement from God's Word at your fingertips. Find a link to download the app for your iPhone or Android device at our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Once there, simply look under the Teachings tab. You can also learn more about the church this radio ministry originates from, Cornerstone Chapel. We'd be excited to meet you if you're in the area. You'll find all you need to know about service times and other information on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. We trust you've been encouraged by today's teaching from the book of 1 Thessalonians, and we encourage you to read over today's message on your own. And then make plans to join Pastor Gary again for more from this New Testament letter right here on Cornerstone Connection. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.